favorite good and bad movies while very high. Yes. Oh. <laughs> so we're really excited this episode's coming out late. We just feel no, like... No, we're not. <laughs> nah, we don't regret. No regrets here. Y'all come for us. <laughs> but we are moving. In fact, by the time of us recording this, we already have moved. Uh, most of our stuff is in our house. We're just chilling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was a very hectic week before this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Literally. Do you like their new place, though? Oh, yeah. I love our new place. And um, in case you guys noticed, there's no, like, white noise in the background. Maybe. We'll know. It's just, like, mm, Or the sound of, like, cars passing. Although, last night, we did hear something... <laughs> It, we just heard like an, we just heard a very loud bang outside. And was like, "Should we go outside?" <laughs> and I'm God. like, "No, I, oh I, I would God. I, I would rather not go outside." But not the front door because we have a back door now, which yeah. is like okay, whatever. Ooh, <laughs> the back door. So it's more like if I can hear people like screaming, then I know what it is, and we like can like be safe and like barricade ourselves. So I was like, as long as I don't hear screaming, everything's fine. Yeah, literally, nobody seemed bothered by it. They're like, this is just normal. Anyway, go on. Plus, we're in a nicer neighborhood. A nicer neighborhood. <laughs> Our last neighborhood wasn't too bad. Okay. So, Christian, how was your week? Weeky. Weeky. It was weak. Did anything mysterious happen to you? Um, no. no nothing mysterious happened to me. What about you? Anything mm. mysterious happened? Um. Hmm. Anything mysteriously happened to me? I mysteriously got my hours cut. <laughs> <laughs> I mysteriously blew my entire paycheck. <laughs> literally. Whatever happened there, I have no idea. Y'all, we got a new couch. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Which means our recording like comfort will be so much better. Maybe. We literally left our old couch at the old place. So that's their problem. So if you guys wanna go if you guys see a couch outside, it's probably ours. Anyway. So, what is the best lie you've ever told that you're surprised you still got away with to this day? The best lie I ever told. Mm-hmm. But you got away. You, it's, you got away with this lie. Uh. <laughs> yeah, man. Like running a podcast sounds like a great idea. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, I don't know. Probably someone I told my parents got out of trouble once. I I can't remember. Well, I have a story for you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Is it good or bad? Uh, it's a little bit of both. For who? <laughs> Everyone. Okay, tell me. Okay. So when I was in the fourth grade, I got my first cell phone. It was a Blackberry. It was one of those phones that like flipped on the side, but it was also a touch screen. Sahara got her first phone in the fourth grade. I didn't get my first phone until I was a freshman in high school. <laughs> Okay, but I had uh, unsupervised internet. So. <laughs> I had heavily supervised internet. Yeah, we can tell. Can I tell my story now? No, I right, started over from the beginning. Okay, so when I was in the fourth grade, I got my first phone, and it was a BlackBerry. And Tiana begged, begged and begged and begged and begged for for her to like, like yeah, like she wanted to show her friends, and I was like, okay, whatever, just give it to me after school. Tell me why this bitch fucking. Gets it taken away from her by the fucking principal, bro. I was beyond pissed, and I couldn't get it back. So I went to the principal's office, and I was like, hey, it was my, actually my phone. She took it from me. Can I just have it back? And he was like, no, you have to have 
Okay, give it back to you. And I said, fuck. Dude, it's always the people you show it to that get it taken away. I know, bro. Anyway, so I was like, all right, fine. So I got my uncle to be like, hey, um, I was using my phone to call you guys. And my principal <laughs> took my phone away and he got pissed. Like my whole family was like, oh my God, we're going to go up there. We're going to show him. So he goes to the office. My heart's pounding, bro. And he tells the thing. And I was like, hey, I'm here to get my phone back. Um, he's like, oh, your sister had it. And I was like, what? And he was like, your sister had it. And I was like, okay, thank you. So my principal gave me my phone back and we walked out. And I told my uncle, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe he lied to you, Unky. He lied to you. He lied. And my uncle called my sister and he was like, Tiana, did this happen? And I was like, we're telling the truth. We're telling the truth. And Tiana was like, yeah, that actually happened. And, and to this day, they blame him. And not me. They blame who? The they... principal. Oh. oh my gosh. That that's a like pretty big lie I got away with. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I see Christian. We keep paying attention to my story. Yeah, your phone getting taken away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, mine was probably I remember one time I this is like one of like the first big lies I ever pulled off or mm-hmm. whatever. And like I got in trouble for something. I think I was just I, I, I like to talk during school, yeah, to be honest. I can tell. Thing is, I was never the one who got in trouble for it. It was other people got in trouble to mm-hmm. know my name would get brought up. And I'm like, whatever. I feel that, though. My name would do that, too. Anyway, and so if I did get in trouble, like, on the report card, it'd be like, like oh, he uh, needs to pay attention in class or whatever, like, back in the day. Mm. <laughs> A pleasure to have in class. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but uh, th- stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I had straight A, so I don't know why everyone was so upset. Yeah. But, like, I was telling them. Uh, they're like Christian why are you talking all the time in class I'm like what are you talking about mm-hmm. and they're like uh, uh, and they're like yeah, oh every time you get a report card it's always like oh you were like talking in class or whatever and I'm just like okay who said that <laughs> <laughs> and they were like oh this teacher and I was like uh, that teacher like really likes me so I don't know why she would say that mm-hmm. and um, uh, they went to like parent teacher conferences or whatever mm-hmm. and like uh like I, I basically I told him what I what I just like oh no oh no that teacher like really likes me I don't know why she would ever say that mm-hmm. like like I'm always like really quiet in our class because mm-hmm. none of my friends are in there mm-hmm. and uh, we went there and like for parent teacher conferences I was expecting like the teacher to like sing like the fucking choir you know? <laughs> like like oh Christian he's like talk like be quiet or else we uh, he's disrupting other students which I wasn't granted but still and uh, whatever but then she's then she's like. Oh no, Christian's great. Yeah, I, I love having him in class. He's always like paying attention or whatever. And then mm-hmm. my, my mom, my mom asked about the report card, and I guess my teacher must have like just forgotten or something mm-hmm. because she was like, "Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't remember," <laughs> or whatever. So I was like, "Oh, that, thank God." That is so wild, bro. Like it was like all my teacher had to do was just like remember. Yeah. yeah. And she, but she didn't. I was like, "Oh, thank God." Because if my teacher's like, oh, no, he's doing that. Because then my parents would have been mad that I lied to them. Yeah. And that I was, like, talking in Yeah, class. yeah, yeah. I remember one time I had, like, a C. Like, my first ever C. Yeah. And I was, like, so scared to, like, like tell my parents or whatever. I don't whatever. Give a shit about that. Here's the like, thing. That's... Here's the thing. I'm, like, thinking, I'm, like, I'm, I'm thinking I'm overreacting, right? Mm-hmm. But anyway, but then, like, oh, with the grades thing, I yeah. was, uh, I was like, I'm, just, I'm, like, I'm thinking, I'm, like, okay, I'm probably just overreacting. It's just a C. I'll get it up or whatever. And my parents have, like, the balls to get mad at me and, like, go ballistic. Uh-huh. Like, I got, like, they were, like, all right, well, for, like, the next few days, when you come home, you're not going to, like, hang out with your friends or anything. That's you're you're going to, like, do your homework before you do anything else. And I was, like, 
Honestly, I think a C is like, oh, okay, I guess they're kind of struggling. A C, I would be C, more offended if I got like a D, because I always thought like an F was like bad, bad. So that's what I was striving not to I, get. I only got a couple Ds in high school, yeah, and they ended up being Cs. I never got below a C, but yeah. I had Ds like throughout the year. Yeah. But like, dude, oh my god. And I like barely passed like college, bro. I need y'all <laughs> to understand my worst time in high school also like coincides with my worst time in high school, if that makes sense. So was not handling it well that day oh or that th- those few months oh my god that was in uh when you were older yeah i thought you were like in elementary oh, no, school yeah, bro. yeah yeah the story was in elementary school yeah. i'm just saying like the worst i ever did you know i'm so was... glad they didn't do parent teacher conferences in high school can you imagine they did your parents just never went so to continue with our mystery march we will be doing the 1985 mystery slash crime clue starring hey that's not how we go that's not how we do it directed by jonathan lynn who also directed my cousin Vinny. you're fake i've only ever seen that movie fake you ever seen that movie i've seen my cousin Vinny. i've only seen parts of it isn't sharon there yeah yeah, I've seen I've seen that part where they get together. I gotta go my own way. I was like, that's share. The budget was fifteen million, but it only grossed fourteen point six million. So a little under, oh a, little, a little under. A little under. Yeah, it it, bom- it was a bomb. <laughs> I, and I ain't ashamed of that, honestly. Yeah. I'm really not. I think that's what makes it a cult classic. Cult classics are usually just movies that were bad, <laughs> like straight up. This movie was. Didn't Rocky Horror also bomb? think so but that's more that's again a cult classic damn tim curry is in a bunch of cult classic movies. he just knows well it's because like comedies usually never do that well okay people would rather see like and, and, and like thrilling stuff they're like i want to go see the godfather literally i want to think about movies that that's why i think people like martin scorsese i'm just like sorry do you think i want to go to the movies to think you think I am want to pay for this seven dollars and fifty cent ticket? We sure we, to we, think we, about something. We sure hate a lot on Scorsese on this podcast. He's, like, the, he's our like, number one enemy. Like, like I've brought it up a few times. He's our number one enemy, bro. Is he? Yeah. He's our enemy of the podcast. Have we done any like films with him though? Mm-mm, the thing is, like, I have no particular reason to hate him. Like I, he just said some shit about Marvel movies, and I'm like, sir, do you really think? After oh yeah. Post pandemic, I, I remember. We want to watch something serious. <laughs> no, I remember. Post pandemic, we want to watch something serious. Boy, get the fuck out of here. No, I remember. I have reason. Like, if I'm that. not fucking laughing, I don't want to think about it. This man's been married. Last time we got married, though, was in 1999, so... Hey, so I say it's working out this time. My middle school teacher said if you get married and then you get a divorce and you get remarried, that marriage is more likely to divorce than your first marriage, and then so on and so forth. Oh, just decreasing Mm -hmm. exponentially? Mm -hmm. Interesting. That's why I thought it's wild. Wild. That's why I know your whole situation is not going to work out the way you think. That's why I say what I say. That's why I bet on the next five years, like, they ain't making it. Okay. <laughs> is I ready to see who the starring is? I am so ready. Okay. This film stars Madeline Kane, who's also in Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein. And who does she play? Mrs. Peacock. Mrs. Peacock? Is it? I don't know. Gal looking up him. <sighs> You're the one who should have written that song. I did. Fine. I didn't even write it in the notes this time. I'm so embarrassed. I was watching the movie and I was like, oh my god. You're no so one's gonna know who the fuck I'm talking about. Literally. 
That's why you gotta do it, baby. Yeah. Anyway, Madeline Kane is, is Mrs. White. <gasps> She's gorgeous. I and love her. Then we have Tim Curry, who was also in It, Rocky Horror Picture Show, and Barbie and the Nutcracker. He was also. Uh, You're not gonna uh, elaborate on that. No. Do you know who he played? And Barbie and the Nutcracker. Probably the Nutcracker. No, okay. the Rat King. <laughs> he played Wadsworth. He was also in uh, the Command and Conquer series, or not Command and Conquer, uh, Red Alert. He's in the Wild Thornberries. He plays the dad, <laughs> but you didn't know that bit. <laughs> Probably gonna get copyright striked for this. For the Wild Thornberries. No, for this. <laughs> oh my! Goodness. I'm escaping to the one place not corrupted by capitalism. Space! <laughs> oh, by the way, top comment. <laughs> this was the best take. No, that's a gorgeous take. Like, that was, like, honestly, that was film. That was cinema. <laughs> so, someone said that, like, he was actually gonna, like, make himself laugh there. Oh, that he was, uh, before he said space. That's like really cute, bro. <laughs> That's why I'm like, I can whenever I see like um oh my god, what was it? Actors need to break character more. Whenever I see actors break character, I'm just like, oh y'all. It just oh, makes me laugh better. harder, bro. I love it, especially in SNL when they do the California thing. That California skit. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> this film also stars Leslie Ann Warren. She's in the <laughs> What? Someone said Tim Curry deserves a purple heart for this shit. He did what any great actor would do with a shit script. He turned it into comedy. <laughs> Someone said this whole game is the entire type of humor. What do you mean shit script? <laughs> I love that. Mm-hmm. Go on. It's just stupid. Do you know he had he suffered from a stroke? Tim, I, I think I remember something yeah, happening to him a while he had a ago. Stroke. So sad. Oh yeah. I fucking love Tim Curry, bro. He was also in Rocky Horror Picture Show. I already said that. Did we? Oh, we did. Sorry. I, oh, I thought we said that she was in Rocky Horror. No, she's in Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein. Oh yeah, he's used a wheelchair ever since having a stroke in 2012. That's so crazy. Yeah, and and because of that, he shifted mainly to voice acting, but he's still he he's although still working. Yeah, yeah. Dang. He says he's although he has continued to perform as a singer and make appearances at fan conventions. Oh, bless his heart, man. In October 2020, Tim Curry reprised his role as Dr. Frankenfurter in a live table reading of the Rocky Horror Picture Show in support of the Democratic Party of Wisconsin. Aww, I like that. Yeah, that's amazing, bro. That's somebody who just loves their job. You know what I mean? Spanish. They just love their job. They just like yeah. acting or making people laugh. Anyway. Mm-hmm. This film also stars Leslie Ann Warren, who's played Cinderella, Colin Camp, who, or Colleen Camp, I'm so sorry, Jesus Christ. It's giving camp. Mm-mm. Colleen Camp is also in Die Hard with a Vengeance and Police Academy 2. We also have Michael McKean, who plays Chuck McGill in Better Call Saul, and Eileen Brennan, who's in Jeepers Creepers, and her son is in Breaking Dawn, as well as Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Agents of Shield. What was that? We did another movie where like one of the main characters is like also an angel, Agents of Shield. Well, her son is not her. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. But we also got Christopher Lloyd back on the podcast. Yeah. If you guys have not listened to her Adam's Family Values episode, I say you go 
give it a listen. It was part of our Halloween themed month. Halloween? Halloween? I said Halloween. 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 This movie also stars Mountain Mole, who's in Danny Phantom, and Sabrina, the teenage witch. It's a podcast. What? Nothing. Don't nothing me. You thought it was funny. So Tim Curry has cited that this is one of his favorite movies of his. Oh yeah? Mm-hmm. Why? I don't know. I mean I think he just enjoys it. We can tell that the cast is really having fun with each other. It's one of my favorite movies of his, but that's a different story. This movie Let's proceed. I'll I'll save my thoughts for the end. Okay. Do you think this is one of the best examples of a board game turned into a film? Like, can you imagine Monopoly movie? A Game of Life movie? Game of Life movie is just Forrest Gump. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, man. I've never seen Forrest Gump. Yeah, we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, let's see, the Monopoly movie, that's just uh, The Wolf of Wall Street. Oh my own, bro. Did, did you know that, Walsh, that Monopoly was like created as like a oh, this is how bad capitalism is because, like, it gets to a point where, like, just one person has everything. Well, yeah. And then remember when you and your sister were arguing and I was like, this is a grown-ass man arguing with a teenager right now. She should play right. (laughs) Capitalism is bad, Christian. You gotta kill them. But if I have to suffer, then I should win. I want to be the man on top. I am the rich man. I am Mr. Monopoly. I should have just walked away. You should have. But do you think this is the best examples of a board game turned into a film? I mean... Because usually it's the other way around. There aren't many. There's usually... It's usually the other way around. Or, the, or like... There's like, like, the, there's a film and, like, they turn it into a board game. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, like... I don't know. I can't think of many, like, board game mm-hmm. movies. I'm sure I could look some up, but... Twister. <laughs> I know you didn't just fucking say that. <laughs> That was so dumb. <laughs> I'm literally... Oh, all, right. all right. Here are Collider's 10 best movies based on board games. Okay. And you know it's going to be great when number 10 is Battleship. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Pokemon Detective Pikachu. I watched that movie P- just because Rihanna was in there. Oh my god. Pokemon Detective Pikachu. That's a board game? I think they just... It's a game. Oh. Um, you know. That doesn't count. Clue. At eight, labyrinth at uh, seventh. Ouija, does that count? That's actually the next one. That's, that, that's number six. Origin of Evil, Ouija. Game Night, eighty-five percent. Uh, that was at like five, whatever. That's a reach. Werewolf Within, that's four. Ready or Not, that's three. That doesn't count. That's just that's a child game. Pie, that's two. I don't know how any of these work. And the Seventh Seal is one. Well, it's just games in general. Yeah. Seventh Seal doesn't count. Yeah. They're just talking while playing chess. Because that's just like saying Lives of Feathers if as a board counts. Because that is, that, that is a thing. Literally. But yeah. Who's to say? Do you know Carrie Fisher was supposed to play Miss Scarlet? Do you know that? I did not know that. But she had to drop out last minute due to reasons. Oh. That's kind of sad. I know. I mean, everywhere I've looked up, they say personal reasons, but you, you know, we all know. That's wild. We still love you, Carrie. You're in my favorite movie ever. Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. No, when Harry met Sally. <laughs> God. 
I like Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. That should have been your answer. <laughs> Maybe I like her more than just her role as Princess Leia. Yeah. Did you ever stop and think about that? I know her in other things besides Star Wars. That makes me a real fan. I love how when we scroll down to Carrie Fisher's personal life section on Wikipedia, the very first part is marriages and relationships, and it says, in her 2016 autobiography, The Princess Diarist, thought you'd like that. That's cute. Fisher wrote that she and Harrison Ford had a three-month affair during the filming of Star Wars 1976. That's hot. Oh my gosh. Oh. Harrison Ford is hot, I'm not gonna lie. That's she was one. briefly engaged to Dan Aykroyd. I have no idea who that is. You know who that is. Do I? Who is he? Okay, he doesn't look familiar now, but he was in like, uh... Chris is like, he's the voice actor, and I'm like, oh my god. Oh my god. No, he, he was in, um, he was, uh, Stance in Ghostbusters. Oh. And um, also, he was in Coneheads, I believe. I just don't remember which one he was. I think he was the dad. Dude, I swear the funniest guys are always the biggest assholes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why you're looking at me. I'm not funny. Mm. According to you. Okay. I make your family laugh, and you're like, he's not funny, so. Okay, so a remake was in the works, but they've been saying this since 2011. How does that make you feel? There was something that came out in 2011, but it was more like a kid's, like a preteen-esque yeah. thing. And I think it was a show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, like, anything huge. But I, there was talks of, like, making a movie, but they've been saying that since 2011. Do you mm-hmm. want another? Do you want another remake of Clue? No. Mm-hmm. I hate I hate remakes. I'm trying to think You're of... You're boring. <laughs> I'm boring? Yeah. I'm trying to think of, like, what good remakes there are. That I like, at least. Lord of the Rings. But that wasn't a film before. Yes, it was. It was, it, it was, was a, a TV t- show. Yeah, it's a me. It's a film media. But it wasn't. That counts. It also, that it counts. also wasn't live action. Doesn't matter. So I wouldn't count that. That's I different. Mean, I'm talking how like. That different? I'm talking like in the same medium though. Oh my god. Move on the fucking goalpost. Not moving the goalpost. Yes, you are. Okay, because there's, like, Star Wars, like, movies, and then there's Star Wars, like, animated shows, and then there's, like, Star Wars books or whatever. Whatever. If it's all canon, then... I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't compare... If it's all canon, then it's all the same. Not all of them are canon. Okay, then. If the ones are not canon, then it's not the same. Duh. Whatever. I ain't arguing with you. Get on to the next point. <laughs> um, so which came first for you, the game or the movie? Yeah. I am probably the game. Uh, so you played first before you watched the movie? Yeah. Oh, okay. So you must have been surprised I, I, I believe. that... Well, uh, oh, yeah, I definitely played Clue before. So you must have been shocked. Because I, I, I think I only watched the movie because I played Clue. Yeah, I've only ever heard of Clue because we had, like, a computer game of it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Why? Because uh, we had a computer and we had a bunch of computer games. and I think it was, like, it came in, like, a Chick-fil-A, like, bag that you get... Like a kid's meal. Yeah. Because it was a pretty simple game. Like, it wasn't complicated. Yeah. So I was like, how do you play? But no, you, like, click the rooms, and you click, like, the different rooms. And then I forgot that McDonald's honestly forgot that. It used well, to it, was, that. it was Chick-fil-A. Chick- you got it from Chick-fil-A? Mm-hmm. Oh. I remember I got... Um, At the mall, specifically. Wow. I remember I got a kid's bop um, CD on the, my McDonald's. Yeah, but why did they stop doing that? I don't know what the other... There were three songs on it. These have really good toys, and their toys suck. There were three songs on it. Two of them were, like, I don't know what song this is, but the other one was... (gasps) Why'd you have to go and make things so complicated? (laughs) That Avril Lavigne song. Yes. That was was crazy. (laughs) 
I'm just like, why would they do that? <laughs> Thanks. I only have a cassette player. Thanks. So the first time I ever played the board game was with you, and the first time I ever saw the movie was with you. You're welcome. <laughs> I did my best. Oh my god. You're welcome. Truly. That game was low-key kind of complicated. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. The, you don't like the board game? Um, it's just too long. Like, I don't want to think, you know? it, And it's like a lot of remembering. Coward. I do have one more question. I'm not sure if I want to save it for the end. I'll ask you anyway. So most people argue if Clue has reached classic status or not. What do you think? I would say that... No. Okay. Not everyone knows them. I feel like for it to be a classic, like... Mm-hmm. Everybody has to know it? Like, for Christmas movies, like, The Polar Express. Yeah. You know, uh, The Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Elf. Yeah, yeah, I feel yeah. like those are classics. And a classic doesn't just have to mean old. Yeah. Like... Not a lot of people know about Clue. Like, sure, it's a, like it has a very passionate fan base, mm-hmm. but like, not everybody knows about Clue. Everybody knows about the Twilight Zone, mm-hmm. same era almost. Yeah. Well, not really. Actually, Twilight Zone ended like twenty years before, but still, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like because a lot of views that I watched about it, like to get more information, is just like they were like all saying like this is why it's a classic, but really like it's kind of like a spoof movie of all the. Uh, spy m- or like murder mystery movies that came before it. Yeah. Like it seemed like it was making fun of that genre. Definitely. I see mm-hmm. what you mean. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I wouldn't consider this film a classic. Would you consider it a spoof movie? No. Uh, it's not making fun of anything in particular, like with Star Wars and Spaceballs mm-hmm. or whatever. Like I feel like it's more like. I think it's more like just an original mm-hmm. like thing to be. Yeah. Like, you know, like, it, like it's like it's an original work. Like it's yeah. not making fun of or parodying something. Mm-hmm. It's just. Here's what this board game would be like as a movie. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Well, I guess I should just say more original because the original wouldn't just be the board game, but you know. So you ready to get started? Of course I'm ready to get started. All right, cool. 30 minutes in. Literally. So the music kind of reminds me of Johnson's like. And it's the longest fucking credits I've ever seen in my life. I was like, oh my fucking. I get that. Yeah, literally. So we open with a car driving through a deep one-way road to a mysterious-looking house. Thoughts on the Clue House? I like the Clue House. I like it too. It's very. It kind of looks like the haunted mansion, to be honest. Dude, literally, and I'm obsessed with the haunted mansion. Yeah. Like I love that like gothic like look, like especially Americana. I love it. Uh, um, I was trying to remember, but I was like, we were, we were watching. Earlier, we were watching a movie with um, Philip Seymour Hoffman in, and I was like, when did he die? And I looked oh, up, The Hunger Games? Yeah, and I looked him up, and I was like, oh, this reminds me of, uh, I go on, like, long tangent, like, long trips through Wikipedia. I'm like, oh, I remember when I read in, he, in Cold Blood when we watched the movie Capote. Oh, does that, he play Capote? Yeah, he plays Shuma Capote. Oh, wow. Or whatever. In you that, should watch that. In that movie. It is really good. I think it's on. I think originally I had it for, like, this month, but I don't remember. For Mystery? Yeah. No. But it, it was a long time ago. Yeah. But anyway. But, um... Uh... I was watching that, and I remember, like, oh, yeah, because uh, c- he, like, got, he was, he talked to his friend, like, Harper Lee at the time, grew up to kill a mockingbird, mm-hmm. and I was, like, and I went to Harper Lee's page or whatever, mm-hmm. and I saw that, like, her writing genre is considered, like, Southern Gothic. Oh, yeah? Or whatever. Yeah. And that's, that, that's what I think of. Like, I feel like there's, like, a lot of buildings, especially, like, where we live now, mm-hmm. that are, would be considered, like, Gothic-esque? I don't think so. Kind of. Like, like you look at the Clue Mansion. Uh-huh. And you're oh, like, you're talking about the, the houses by our house? Yeah. Oh, not, okay, not, yeah. not where we live. Oh, not yeah, this yeah. house. Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. Like, 
Okay, yeah, some of them, yeah. Some but of them. a lot of them are, like, very Spanish-influenced, and then they have that, like, yeah, like Spanish fake colonial. mansion thing going on. Yeah, well, a lot, the thing is, it's weird. It's, like, because a lot of houses are only, like, 100 years old. Yeah, I know. Where we live. Some of them are, yeah, yeah. But but they're, like, we, we, we've we said, like, where, where we and live, And some of them right? are over 100 we've years old. We've said where we live, right? I'm not going to say where we live, like but... What, like, what state? Oh, we live in Oklahoma. Yeah, we live in Oklahoma. So, like, 100 years old is, like, just after statehood. And so, like, these big houses that are still here were, like, mansions from, like, the early, like, settlers. Mm -hmm. So, like... It's crazy. Like, yeah, like, I'm talking... And these are... Yeah. Like, there's... Just down the road, we Mm -hmm. passed by uh, this one mansion that, like, big money. And Mm -hmm. the crazy thing is, like, it's been vacant longer than people actually lived in it. That's crazy. Like, no one lives there now. That's wild. Yeah. That's so crazy that houses like that just sit there empty. It's just historic. And it's because of that who owned that one. I don't know who I was telling you about with the guy. He mm-hmm. built, like, the first building here. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, it's just historic and, like, people put money into things. You know? Mm. I get you. I get you. But, yeah. You can hit this whenever you want. Okay. <laughs> so we see the person who is driving is Wadsworth, played by Tim Curry. And we see him leave the car, and we see, like, these neat, vicious dogs. But they like, like, the cuddlest things I've ever seen in my life. They're just German Shepherds. Like, they're so cute. Or Alsatians. Well, I don't know. They look kind of softer than German Shepherds, though. Or Belgian Mellow. Also, did you notice that they used a different dog in the conservatory where Mr. Body tries to leave? And then it's, like, a Dash Hound or something like that? Yeah, I did notice that. But also, more importantly, that's the only other time we see the dogs. Yeah, I know. You would think they would go off anytime they Mm -hmm. hear something crazy. Yeah. Even when they, like, go outside. Yeah. I didn't get it. Anyway, Wadsworth throws them bones, and then he um, steps in their poop, and it's played for laughs. Like, and it's played for laughs for like a while. One thing, yes. I, one thing I like about this movie is like the jokes kind really? of like. I hated that. I was like, stop it. I the, get it. They just keep going on. I hated that. I was like, like I think that was the one thing that turned me off. When, when guests start to arrive, mm-hmm. or when Wadsworth goes into a room with the maid, who we'll talk about later, mm-hmm. uh, they're all kind of like. Like mm-hmm. sniffing around, mm-hmm. like checking their feet, like yeah, that's, yeah. Like, but, but every single one of them does it. Like, I think Christian just likes continuity. Yeah, it helps. We learn that we are in New England, and the year is 1954. Mm-hmm. Nice. We then see the next scene. We see a French maid named Yvette as she dances and cleans, but is interrupted by Wadsworth asking her if everything is ready for tonight. She tells him yes, and he goes to walk away. Yvette can smell poop. That he stepped in, so now she's trying to figure out what the smell is. It's played for laughs. And I thought maybe that since this was the third time that the movie called this to our attention, I was like, does this mean Wadsworth is a shitty butler? Poop. 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 On the shoe. So we then get our first guest, and it is Colonel Mustard, played by Martin Mule. So you learn that Colonel Mustard is an alias because the Colonel tries to give his real name, but Wadsworth won't let him. So do you like this approach to the characters' names, or would you have rather that they that they use their actual names? I like that they didn't, honestly. It makes sense, because like not, none of them know who they are, mm-hmm. and I feel like now that they know why they're there, they wouldn't want people to know who they are. Yeah. I think I liked that the film kind of divert expectations, like uh, Mrs. White is wearing all black. Yeah. I really love that. And Well, like, if you saw, like, when she... I know, when she opens her coat, it's all white, and then her face is like, all white. Why would they call me that? Dude, I know. The costuming is phenomenal in this film. I will give it that. The costuming is 
phenomenal. I love the costuming. Like, and even the set design. It's so good. Like, it's so real, you know? Like, it's not like... Like, I don't know if it's... Like, I think it's an actual house. I don't think it's, like, a like a set. Mm-hmm. I don't think. He looked at a... Is that a set? If which was the set? A clue. Of the clue set design. Okay. Was it a set or was it an actual was house? Was the house in clue real? All interior scenes were filmed at the Paramount lot, except for the ballroom scene. Mm. The ballroom, as well as the driveway gate exteriors, were filmed on location at a mansion in South Pasadena, California. That's wild. Which makes me think, I feel like the ballroom, like, mm-hmm. where they were standing, where, like, the ch- chandelier fell, mm-hmm. I think that was, like, the only room that was, like, big enough to, like, allow for filming inside of. Because mm-hmm. filming is a lot more than just a camera, you know. So that house where they were filming, mm-hmm. it was, it burnt down in 2005. <gasps> what? Yep. Very sad, very sad. Oh, my God. Oh, also, uh, your favorite line in this film, mm-hmm. Improvise. <gasps> That's awesome. Which I think is funny, because it, like, it's right after the fire one. It's iconic, honestly. Yeah. Dude, Mrs. White is iconic, so she's the next to arrive, right? And it's played by Madeline Kane. Anyway, Mrs. White is iconic. I don't know how anybody doesn't fall in love with her. She's, like, awesome. She's, like, the best. I think all the women in this film, I, like... Honestly, like, honest to God, I like the women more than I like the men. <laughs> I think, because the men are such, like, they're all physical humor, but the women are, like, like, they're fucking hilarious, bro. Yeah. Yeah. When this is done, you know what I feel like watching? What? Family Guy. Okay, we can. Like, I'll make, I'll make dinner. Mm-hmm. Well, if we finish, it's already five. Finish. We gotta go to bed soon. I'll survive. Okay. Flames? So we then cut to a woman stranded out in the middle of the road as thunder looms over. Thunder. The most Scooby-Doo-ass sound ever. You know, like, in the 70s, where they had the, in the beginning, where it had the <laughs> lightning, and then the... <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> literally. <laughs> it was like, Scooby-Doo-Doo. Where are you? It was literally that. That was like, oh my god. Got some. So we see another car. The car stops for the woman asking if she wants a lift, and she is more and glad to take it, which I thought was so brave. Not gonna lie, I was like, oh my god. Need a cab? No, literally. This was this was before serial killers, because this movie takes place in like 1954. I guess people are way too trusting. Scoobert, doobert, doobert. So we see the woman gets in the car. We find out along the way they are headed to the same place. <gasps> Gasped. Because they both received the same letter telling them to come there. Literally. So we then get a hard cut to Mrs. Peacock, played by Elaine Brennan, and she makes it to the party. Then we get another knock on the door, and as Wadsworth opens it, we see another guest asking if this is where the host, Mr. Body, will be housing, hosting his party. They're really all right on the nose with that one, huh? Mm-hmm. Mr. Body. Oh. Well, that's what he's called in Clue. Oh, for real? Yeah. I've never played that game, bro. I, I bet you did. I played it once. One time. Yeah, you were there. And I haven't played it since. Yeah, the whole point of like, the board game Clue, which, by the way, mm-hmm. was originally uh, uh, called Murder. The game yeah. was just called Murder. Mm-hmm. Anyway. They're like, you need to change that. That's a little too harsh. Literally, Scooby-Doo-ass car. <laughs> we meet Mr. Green, played by Michael McCain, as Wadsworth scares him by telling him the dogs to sit. And Mr. Green is like, I'm sad. Yeah, he's like, he, the dogs are barking. Wadsworth's like, sit! And he's like, on the bench. She's like, Literally. Okay. I'm sad. I don't know unless they do the same thing for Tim Curry, bro. Sad! 
<laughs> Tim Curry is like he's daddy bro. No, okay, not even that. I feel like God. What's his fucking name? From the Grinch and uh, Ace Ventura. Mm-mm. I know exactly what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Dude, I know people the, on the who are listening to this are screaming it right now, mad at us. I hate it when I listen to a podcast. Oh and yeah, I know our the four answer. listeners. <laughs> and then listening you, to a podcast. You have to remember we're high. Okay. Uh, no. God, what's his name? And, uh, I know exactly. And, what you're and the about. Truman Show. And yes, like, yes, yes. God, what the fuck is just this? Just look name? up the. I, I, I am. I am. I am. I am. Oh my gosh! I'm gonna kill myself. Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. I feel like because I wanted to say Tim Curry. <laughs> Jim Carrey. Tim Curry. That's so. Funny. That makes sense. I, I, Tim Curry is what we had before Jim Carrey. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. So they just replace each other. So who's ours? So who's I'm ours? just saying I've never seen the two of them in the same room. We see Tim, Jim, Curry, Carrey. Min, Min Murray. That'd be the next one. Bill Murray. Anyway, uh, but and so we're back with uh, uh, Colonel Mustard and Mr. Uh, Mrs. White, whatever. Oh, not Colonel Mustard. Uh, that was the other thing I meant to say. Um, I was like, where are uh, you? Sorry, Miss Scarlet and Professor Plum, as we'll soon know them, mm-hmm. or whatever. And they pull up to the house. We're like, wow, this house is huge. But then, like, they've like stopped the car, and uh, Miss Scarlet asks, like, why is the car stopped? And Professor Plum's just like, he's frightened. Honestly, Sam. <laughs> Literally. You got a chuckle there. I did. I are did we, we going to have a chuckle counter? Um, should we? Yeah. Okay, editing Sahara, we got a chuckle counter that has chuckle one. Ding! <laughs> should we, like, tally it on the notes or something? I will, I will, but I'll tell you. Oh, I'll my listen God. To it. Anyway, but... Uh, the next scene, so we're back in the library and at the party, and our guests, and then the storm is just kind of, like, looming over them, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, we cut to the two from earlier. They finally make it to the house as uh, <laughs> Professor Plum kind of like sexually harasses. Uh, Caught me off guard, hella fucking hard. I said, Whoa. "What did he say again?" I don't think he said anything, but I think he just kind of puts his hand on her ass, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa," which really hurts because I've always liked Christopher Lloyd. I hate seeing him like that. I was like, "Doc, we gotta get back to the future." <laughs> How could you? Anyway, but um, we learned that the we learned that they're Professor Plum and Miss Scarlet, and uh, they make their way inside. Played by oh my gosh, Professor Plum, played by Christopher Lloyd, and Miss Scarlet, played by Leslie Ann Warren. Thank you. As they make their way back inside to the rest of the party, uh, Wadsworth tells them to uh, you know keep calling each other by your alias, and uh, if you know each other, it's best not to reveal anything. And then like the gong gets hit or whatever. And you see Mr. Green, like, they get startled, he, like, splashes the champagne on Miss Peacock, and then uh, everyone else is like, huh? And, uh... Yeah, he's so fucking jumpy, bro. And Wadsworth is like, dinner is served. Or ready, whatever he said. <laughs> and so they all make their way to their assigned seats at the dinner table, and then Colonel Mustard starts asking questions of Wadsworth, like, what does a butler do? And Wadsworth's wife, uh, he keeps up with everything in the house and the kitchen. Uh... uh and he was like, do you buttle? He's like, only sometimes or something like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but uh, Wadsworth tells him, like, uh, you know, uh, all that. And then he's like, <laughs> and he tells the guests to get comfortable, you know, like, get comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't know. So, we've met everybody so mm-hmm. far. Uh, this, is, this is from my notes, not yours. Okay. So, we've met everybody so mm-hmm. far. What do you think? 
I think the first time I ever watched this, I was like, okay. This is gonna sound weird, but like the characters in the movie. Because I thought one of them was gonna die. I didn't think that Mr. Body, like there was hey, a specific person. Yet. Oh my god, we you all know why we're here. <laughs> what the guy named Mr. Body becomes a body? What? Okay, no, but as I was saying, but like this is gonna sound really weird, but like everyone in the uh, movie, with the exception of like the sexual harassment parts, uh, acts exactly how I thought they all would have acted like in the board game. So. Like I just like looked at the cover and I'm just like, oh yeah, that, that's um, like the cover of the box. Well, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. We, sh- we should play Clue. We do have a Clue board game. We have two. <laughs> Don't we need three people, or do we only need two? I think we need three. That'd oh. be pretty easy. Can Plus, we're too high, bro. We're like. Literally. No, no, I get what you're saying. Yeah, Peacock is very Peacock and Scarlet is very Scarlet, you know? Yeah. And I feel like Plum and Colonel and White had a lot of, like, room to, like, make that character who they wanted to be. Yeah. You know? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're funny. Thank you, babe. Where's my phone? There it is. Anyway. And so, um, we get, like, this whole, like, intense, like, situation or whatever, Mm -hmm. but everyone's kind of just, like... I know, like they're slipping their seats. By the way, I don't, did, did you mention it that um, when Miss White walked in, she like recognized a vet? Mm-hmm. Okay, I was just making sure. But anyway, but Watts. Or when a vet recognized the colonel. Yeah, oh, yeah, both. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, Wattsworth tells the guests like not to worry, and then the colonel, uh, you know, being a dick. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about all of this. Oh, yeah? So as I was saying, uh, the colonel, he's being a dick. Uh, Miss Scarlet is, like, this, like, temptress, like, character mm-hmm. or whatever. And uh, uh, she's like, oh, you know, like, I'll eat anything. And then Miss White is just kind of, like, watching her, like, like death glaze. She's gaze. like, that's fucking disgusting. Literally. Like, relax, bro. <laughs> you look like you have, like, fl- flames oh, on the guess. side of my face. Anyway, but Yvette and Wadsworth, like, start, like, uh, serving. (laughs) 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 No, no, they start, they start by serving the colonel, and they ask, like, oh, and they all ask, uh, uh, oh, it's an empty seat for our host, but the Wadsworth, uh, corrects him, he's like, oh, no, it's for our seventh guest, Mr. Body, and everyone else, uh, like, like, oh, I thought that Mr. Body was our host, and if he's not, who he is, who is he, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Who, who he, he is. Who, who he is. Who he is. Who is he. Anyway, Miss Peacock worries that they uh, shouldn't start eating without him, but then Yvette reassures her. Oh my gosh, I just zoomed out of my notes. But then uh, Yvette uh, reassures her that, uh, oh, they'll keep something warm for him or whatever. And she's, like, leaning over to, like, pour, like, her drink, and then, like, Professor Plum kind of like, looks over and, like, kind of, like, puts his nose, like, in her chest. He's a- <laughs> <laughs> He saw an opportunity and took it. Oh my god. Like, poor Yvette, bro. He let the thoughts win. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, you want to explain? No. <laughs> and so everyone, like, is just eating their soup, mm-hmm. and uh, Professor Palm and Miss White uh, are all just, like, slurping, like, the soup, like. <sighs> and it goes on longer than it should. Like, and that's what I'm talking about. Like, it keeps going. I'm just like, okay, <laughs> we get it. But I like it. Anyway, <laughs> and so Miss Peacock, like, hates the sound. She's like, okay, I'll break the ice. Uh, I do it all the time at parties for my husband's job. And she tells a group that, uh, she's like, I have no idea why I'm here or why I'm at this party with strangers, but I'm going to try and have a good time. And everyone kind of just, like, stares at her, at, like, Miss, uh, as, at her as Mrs. White, is what I was trying to say, uh, asks about, like, oh, who's your husband or whatever. 
uh, about all the parties you throw in, you know. And Mr. Peacock is like, yeah, you know, uh, it's not easy being a being a uh, like a senator's. She doesn't say senator. Well, she stops herself. Be, or she's like being the wife of a, and she's like, actually, I shouldn't say, or whatever. I'm revealing too much about my personal life. But, but Mr. Green is like, uh, I know who you are. I work in Washington just like your husband. Uh, it is uh, just like your husband does. And Mr. Peacock is like, oh, uh, oh okay, uh, all right, <laughs> wow. Like she's like a little like oh, okay, and then but anyway, Professor Plum gathers like oh you must be a politician's wife, and uh, she's like well yes you know but then Colonel Mustard is like he's getting curious, presses Miss Peacock for more information, but then he's interrupted by Wadsworth bringing more food, and so Miss Peacock tries to, like change the subject and asks like Mister White what her husband does, and she's like uh, nothing, and then like downplays her reaction by telling everyone that her all all her husband does is lie on his back all day. And Miss Scarlet's like, oh, sounds like hard work to me. Which is funny, given the context. But also, like, given that they know. Uh, but then, so cutting the tension, Yvette, like, scares, like, all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Star Wars, like, Mr. Uh, I don't know, sorry. But then, like, Mr. Green is also startled by the uh, lightning outside because it's storming, you know. And uh, he, like, spills the soup all over Miss Scarlet. He's like, oh, sorry, I'm accident prone. Did you do that on purpose? Here's my thing. I don't think so. But at the same time, maybe. You know? And so Yvette and Wadsworth bring in more food, and everyone, like, is suspiciously, like, eyeing each other while eating silently. But then Miss Peacock asks, like, what Mr. Green does in D.C., but Miss Scarlet tells Mrs. Peacock to mind her own business. World star! World star! Mrs. Peacock defends herself by saying that she doesn't want to sit with strangers in embarrassed silence. Professor Plum asks if the silence m- makes Mrs. Peacock uncomfortable, and Miss Scarlet is like, why are you a shrink? And he confirms that he is, but he doesn't practice. And Miss Scarlet is like, I think all men need a little practice, right, Miss Peacock? She's really gunning for her, huh? Yeah. Oh my god. Mrs. White asks what Professor Plum does, and he mansplains that he works for the United Nations organization. Colonel Mustard is like, oh, great, another politician. But Professor Plum corrects him by saying he works for the branch of the UNO, and it's the World Health Organization. And I'm just like, why didn't he just say he works for the WHO? Like, why didn't he feel the need to be like, oh, I work for, uh, you know, the UN? You know? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's just like me saying I work in the Air Force. Uh, like, I don't. I work on there, but I don't work for them. Well, the World Health Organization is a part of the UN. Yeah, but he works for the who? The World Health But do you know what I mean, though? I work on a base that's just, like, saying I'm in the Air Force. Well, I think he was just keeping it vague, though, because they're all, like, not revealing, like, who they are. I guess. No, I forgot about that. Anyway. Mrs. Peacock asks what his specialty is, and he tells her that it's in family planning, and she clenches her pearls, bro. She's like, <gasps> Literally. Pearls clenched. They then ask Colonel Mustard and if he is a real colonel, and he confirms that he is. Miss Scarlet continues to stir the pot and is like, oh, are you going to mention that you also live in D.C.? Isn't that a funny coincidence? Honestly, it's giving, uh, don't worry, yearling. Literally. No, 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 one scene at the dinner table. Where she's like, oh, where do you come from? And they all come from the same place. Literally. That's what, that's what uh, Olivia Wilde got this inspiration from. was like have we met and she's like no but I've seen you around and Mr. Green is like oh do you live in DC too and she's like yep I sure do 
and Mrs. Peacock is like, does anybody here not live in D.C.? And Professor Plum does go to raise his hand, but Mr. Green is like, yeah, but you work in D.C. Which is so, like, how does he know that he doesn't live in D.C.? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess he raised his hand to say he doesn't live in D.C. He's like, I don't. <laughs> well, also, the, the, the um, what am I trying to say, the U.N. is in New York. Oh, huh. I didn't know that. We should go visit. Can you go? Can you just walk in there? Yeah. That's fun. You're a member of one of the nations united. <gasps> I Can should demand you a job. Visit the UN. I want to get a job there. Don't know what I do. I do something. Yeah, the exhibits are free and open to the public. That's awesome. Also, technically, technically, it's not in New York. It's on international territory. But its address is New York, so <laughs> you tell me. You tell me what that means. Anyway, the colonel getting fed up goes to Wadsworth and asks where is their host and why they are all here. The doorbell rings and Wadsworth goes to open it, only to find the last guest of the evening. I will say this shot is interesting because we can hear what Wadsworth is saying when bringing the guests in, as we, the audience, see the reaction of everyone else in the room. Yeah. Like, even Yvette and, like, the chef are listening. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. So, we then meet Mr. Body, and everyone looks at him like they're just as surprised to see him as there is he is surprised to see them as there are them. Wow. And they even ask what they're all doing here tonight. Wadsworth sits down Mr. Body as Mrs. Peacock demands as to why they're all here in the first place. Wadsworth does his best to bring clarity to the guests by telling them they all should have received a letter and reads out loud the letter. It will be your advantage to present on this date because Mr. Body will bring to an end a certain long-standing, confidential, and painful financial liability, signed a friend. Everyone confirms that they all received the same letter as Yvette brings food for Mr. Body, but he tells her no thanks since he had just ate, establishing that he already knows her, surprising the other guest. Because he calls her by her first name. Mr. Green asks how he knows Yvette and Mr. Body fucking gropes her. Oh my god! He's like he's like we're acquainted, and he's like, like lifts up her skirt. Or did I know? Honestly, he's such a fucking perv. Like fuck him. Good thing he dies. Literally, bro. Wadsworth then asks Mr. Body if he received the same letter as everyone else. Mr. Body says his letter did not say any of that, and Wadsworth is like, "Oh, okay. Any room for dessert, anyone?" Literally. Mahogany be like. Sir, we just spent one hundred dollars on you. <laughs> no one answers, so Wadsworth suggests everyone goes to the study for coffee and brandy. Which I thought was a weird combo. Mm-hmm. Like, that sounds gross. You know what sounds amazing right now? Fucking Rocky Road. We have some Rocky Road. I'm so excited. Go get some. No, I'll get some when we're done. We'll eat. Wadsworth then tells the guest at this point that their guest will now make his intention, or their host will now make their intentions known. Literally. So we cut to them going to the study as they wait for their host to arrive. Wadsworth looks at the letter left on the table with the instructions for him to open after dinner. Miss Scarlet asks if it's okay if she can smoke while giving an extra sig to the colonel and Professor Plum, who lights his pipe. Just like us for real, bro. Mm-hmm. So Wadsworth then announces to the room the letter he picked up must be read out loud to explain what they all have in common with each other. Wadsworth then asks if Mr. Body would like to tell, and he is like, why? And he tells everyone they all just they all should just leave. But Wadsworth stops him by saying no one can leave, and Mr. Body's like, oh yeah, who's gonna stop me? Wadsworth then tells them and all the other guests that there is no way out and that all the windows have bars on them. It would be at this point that I would start panicking. Like, um... I've been like, oh my god. Um... Uh, uh, uh. is like, you can't hold us here forever as everyone else gangs up on Wadsworth. 
Wadsworth tells everyone that he will explain everything as Mr. Body makes a break for the back door to the conservatory to escape. Mr. Body picks up a pot to break the glass, but Wadsworth catches catches up with him. He was like, you can't leave that way before Mr. Body can break anything. Those vicious man-eating dogs bark at the window, scaring Mr. Body back into the house. Which, again, it's not the same dogs that we saw earlier, so, mm. like... Literally, bro. Some continuities. Back in the study, Yvette serves a guest as everyone sits and waits and is on edge. Wadsworth comes in the back and with Mr. Buddy and tells everyone that what they have in common is what they are are all being blackmailed for and having to pay what they can, and sometimes more to keep whoever is trying to expose them quiet. But none of them know who is blackmailing blackmailing them. Mrs. Peacock, looking at looking the most guilty, opens her mouth to say that this is ridiculous and that no one is blackmailing her because she has never done anything wrong. Wadsworth is like, anyway, my instructions is to reveal some details to you all as he dismisses Yvette for the night. Wadsworth tells us that Professor Plum was once a professor of psychiatry specializing in helping paranoid and homicidal lunatics suffering from delusions of grandeur. It is revealed that Professor Plum does not practice medicine for the UN because his medical license had been revoked. <gasps> so Miss Scarlet asks why, and it's revealed that he slept with one of his patients. This movie is one. so fucking gross, bro. This is awesome. literally just plum, to be honest. I mean, there are other characters, but it's mainly plum every mm-hmm. time. Mrs. Peacock calls out Professor Plum, but Wadsworth tells her not to throw any stones yet because how can she justify taking bribes in return for delivering her husband, Senator Peacock's vote to certain lobbyists? Mrs. Peacock defends her husband by telling everyone that he is a paid consultant and that there is nothing wrong with that, and Wadsworth corrects her by telling her that if it's not publicly declared, then there would be nothing wrong. But when payments are delivered by slipping used greenbacks and plain envelopes under a door of a men's room, how could she describe such a transaction? Mm-hmm. Mr. Scarlet, Miss Scarlet says it sounds fishy, and Miss Peacock defends herself by asking how Scarlet would know if she wants there, and Professor Plum is like, no, it's true, and Mrs. Peacock is like, of course not, it's a lie. Wadsworth tells her and everyone that Mrs. Peacock has been playing, paying the blackmailer over a year now to keep this kind of story out of the papers. Mrs. White tells Mrs. Peacock that she understands because she is being blackmailed over something she didn't do. Bertha Colonel and Mr. Green say the exact say the same except for Miss Scarlet. Wadsworth asks if Scarlet is being blackmailed and she says she is, but she's talking about how out of anyone who will openly admit she did what she is getting blackmailed for. Professor Plum is the first to ask Scarlet what she did. Scarlet tells us that she owns a phone line company that talks to lonely men over the phone. I feel like I'd be really good at that in the phone line. Mm-hmm. You think so? Yeah. You think that'd be good at- You could talk on the phone all the time. <laughs> you do it now. Okay. Professor Plum, seemingly more interested, asks Scarlet what the phone number is. Mr. Green, changing the subject, subject, asks Scarlet how she knew Colonel Mustard worked in Washington and if he was one of her clients. Colonel Mustard denies this immediately and tells her to tell the group that he is not one of her clients. Professor Plum asks if it's true and she says no, it is true. And Mr. Green and Wadsworth catch on to her double negative. Colonel Mustard asks if she has evidence, which she confirms she has photographs. Wadsworth turns on the colonel, saying that he gave himself away, and the Colonel Mustard is like, I'm not stupid, but then he acts like he is. Mm-hmm. I hate him. Professor Plum says he doesn't see what is so bad about the colonel, but Wadsworth reminds everyone that the colonel works at the Pentagon, and he, and he even drives an expensive car for living off a colonel's pay. Do colonels not get paid well? I mean... That seems like a pretty high rank, though, is it not? I mean, it's hard to say. 
I mean, it's like it's like it's up there. Like he works at the Pentagon, mm-hmm. like from top to bottom, mm-hmm. or whatever. Actually, no, those are, that's the highest, and that one's arguably not even possible anymore. But yeah, it's like it's up there. Mm-hmm. It's like it's about halfway in like the uh, uh, officer ranks. But yeah, it's crazy. The colonel explains himself that he came into money when his parents died during the war. Wadsworth then turns his attention toward Mrs. White, telling her she had been paying her blackmailer ever since her husband died under mysterious circumstances. Scarlet, after hearing that, starts literally gagging, and Mrs. Mrs. White is like, what? And Scarlet's like, no wonder he was lying on his back in the coffin. Doesn't everybody lie down that way? I think she was making a joke about her husband. Oh. That's so mean. Good for her, though. Mrs. Link is like, I didn't kill him. And everyone wonders why she still continues to pay the blackmailer. But Colonel Mustard is the one to ask. But Mrs. White admits she didn't want a huge scandal. She explains that before her husband died, that they had a humiliating public fight, and that her husband was acting so crazy he threatened to kill her. Miss Scarlet asks if those were Mrs. White's husband's last words. And Mrs. White says being killed is pretty final. And Miss Scarlet continues to ask questions and ask why Mrs. White did Mrs. White's husband did for a living. And Mrs. White tells the group that her husband was a scientist, a nuclear physicist. Scarlet asks what was her husband like, and Mrs. White says her husband was stupidly optimistic and that it must have been a big shock to him when he died. But he was found dead in her home with his head cut off as well as his dick. Happens. Honestly, Sam. Mrs. White gives the group her alibi by saying she had been at the movies all evening, so it wasn't her that killed him. Miss Scott asks White if she misses her husband, and she admits that now that her husband is dead, she has, she has, she has a life. Wadsworth then points out that her husband was only her second, and that her first husband also disappeared. Mrs. White is like, "Well, he was an illusionist, and it was his job." Or Wadsworth asks why he never reappeared, and Mrs. White said he wasn't very good at his job. Mr. Green breaks the silence, stands up, and says it's his turn to tell his blackmail story now. And Mr. Green admits that he works for the State Department, and he is gay. And we have a lot of early 80s reactions from this. And Wadsworth's reaction, he kind of, like, reads the letter. Like, he's like, was that in here? But anyway, but then, like, but Mr. Green says that he's like, I feel no shame or guilt of it, but I must be kept secret or I'll lose my job for security reasons, which was, which is a thing, but, or was a thing back then. Mm-hmm. But, um... Uh, but it was really good that like we we saw like this movie. He's like, yeah, you know, like I'm not ashamed of it, you know. But it's mm-hmm. also kind of just like I'll lose my job. Yeah. So I think it's more what's bad about it is that it's kind of played for laughs, and he's not even gay in the first place. You know. That's true. Yeah. But after that, Professor Palmi asks, uh, what uh, what what Mister Body's like deals are, and Scarlet pokes around and asks what his little secret is. But then Wadsworth tells the group that it's uh, obvious, but because he's the one that's blackmailing them. And everyone's like, huh? And, like, the colonel's pissed, and he, like, uh, gets in, gets in uh, Body's face, but Body, like, knocks him to the floor and, like, starts, like, punching him or whatever. But then Mr. Green and Plum are able to uh, pull him off or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then Wadsworth tells the group that the police are coming, which makes everyone, like, drop Body on the ground, and they surround uh, Wadsworth as he pleads with the group to listen to him. Wadsworth convinces the group that the police will arrest Mr. Body for the blackmail, and once he's in jail, all their troubles will be over. Mr. Body then gets up on the floor and tells the group that they won't tell the police shit, but the Wadsworth is like, oh yeah, we have all evidence of your blackmail, and this whole interaction is being recorded as we speak. But then, we cut to Yvette in the billiard room with the tape going, and she's also listening to what everyone else is saying. 
Wadsworth tells the police that they'll be at their location in 45 minutes, and we just all have to tell the police the truth, and Mr. Body will be behind bars, and Mr. Body just looks at the group smugly. He then goes to the hall to get his bag, and uh, which is a huge, like, alligator skin suit case, by the way. Mm-hmm. And he opens it, he reveals a bunch of boxes tied up with bows, and then Mr. Body, like, starts handing them out to everyone. Mr. Body then asks everyone if they can guess what's inside of their little boxes, and Scarlet assumes that it's evidence against them. Scarlet asks asks Body if he knew he was going to meet them, and Mr. Body tells her that he knew, and Miss White uh, asks what he thought this night was about, and Mr. Body tells him that he was told his dinner was all uh, was over, the, uh, them discussing their financial arrangements. Mr. Body admits that he couldn't help not show up, and tells everyone to open their presents, and as everyone goes back to their seats, Miss Scarlet opens her box first to find a candlestick. Miss White opens, and f- opens hers and finds a rope, Mr. Green a lead pipe, Plum and Colonel get a, uh, a gun, and the Colonel gets a wrench, and then Miss Peacock gets a knife. What do you there? A knife. No. Uh, Mr. Body explains to each of them that they all have a lethal weapon, and that if any of them turn into the police, they'll all be exposed and humiliated, and that he will see it go to court. But then here's the catch: if someone kills Wadsworth right there. No one will know it's them. And he's like, he's like, I'll turn off the lights and no one will know. Mm-hmm. But then Mr. Body tells the group that Wadsworth has the key to the front door. And, he'll, and he, like he said, he'll only give it up over his dead body. And I don't know about you, but we should take him up on his offer. And then Mr. Body goes to close the door to the study. By the way, if I'm Wadsworth right now, I'm, I'm pissing, dude. I'm like, holy <laughs> fuck. But then Mr. Body tells the group that there's only one way to avoid seeing themselves on the front page. And that's for one of you to kill Wadsworth right now as he shuts off the light. And then everything goes black, and we hear, like, a thud, and then there's, like, a gasp, and then a gunshot. We hear glass shatter, and then uh, we someone screams as Mrs. White turns the light back on, only to find that Wadsworth, not only is Wadsworth still alive, but that thud was Mr. Body landing on the floor. The group uh, huddle around Body's body, but <laughs> Professor Plum is the one to check the man's pulse. He checks his wrist and then his uh, uh, neck, and then he, like, sees if he's breathing. breathing. He's like, oh, Mr. Body's dead. Everyone gasps as they try to figure out who could have killed him, and Miss Peacock asks who had the gun, and, the prof- and then Professor Plum says that he did, and everyone thinks that he shot him, but then Plum claims that he didn't. Miss Peacock says, well, if you didn't shoot him, then who did? Plum rolls over Body to check for a bullet wound, but he sees that he has none. Plum claims that Body wasn't shot, but in the dark, someone tried to grab his gun, and that's why it went off, and they see that there was a bullet hole in the wall and a smashed vase where the bullet went through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, Plum apparently is in the clear. Mr. Green then asks how Body died, but Plum doesn't know. Miss White says one of them had to have killed him, and Mrs. Peacock claims that she needs a drink. Yeah, high stress situation. Felt. So we see Plum check his pockets as Peacock takes a swig of uh, what was Body's drink. And uh, but then Miss White says, "What if he was poisoned?" And then Miss Peacock like drops the glass and just like starts screaming. And they like try to like get her over to the couch, like relax. And then like uh, Mr. Green like just slaps her once, and everyone like looks at him like, "Why'd you do that?" Do that? And he's like, "I needed to stop her screaming." <laughs> anyway, but the Colonel asks if the brandy was poisoned, and the group goes to expect, but the glass is empty, and they're like, "Oh, well, guess we'll never know." And then Mr. Green points out that they'll know eventually, you know, as if, as if like, uh, Miss Peacock died, that is. Mm-hmm. The group surrounds Miss Peacock and watch for any signs of poisoning, and then they hear screaming coming around from the neighboring room. The group runs into the next room, only for the scream to continue. Uh, the group finds the door locked, and they're like, oh, it must be a vet. And so we see a vet open the door, 
and uh, to the group, and they rush in only to find not that alive, but very upset. And she tells the group, like, oh, oh, you locked me up in this room with the murderer. And Mrs. White is like, oh, so the murderer was here. And Yvette says, yes. And the group is like, where? And she's like, here. As Mr. Green, like, looks behind the door. Me. <laughs> uh, Yvette screams that they're all looking at him, or her, and claims that Mrs. White said in the study that one person in the group is the killer. Professor Plum asks how Yvette would know that, and she tells him that she had been listening the whole time. Miss White says, uh, why were you screaming then if you're all by yourself? And Yvette explains that she screamed because she also drank the cognac that Miss Peacock did and was wondering if she'd be poisoned too. Mm -hmm. Would that be you? Yeah. You just start screaming in your little French maid outfit? Oh my god. We were at the store earlier, bro. Sahara tried on some heels and she looked great. Stop! Stop! (laughs) You look look great, bro. Alright. So the next scene, we see everyone return to the study where Mr. Body's body still lies dead. And how would you react if you're in the same room with somebody? I, mean, I wouldn't even dead? go in that room. I would not. I so everyone's like, there's death in there. Yeah, literally. Everyone is still trying to figure out how he died while Wadsworth starts freaking out about how this is not how I wanted the night to go. And they're like, uh, they ask, like, what he means? And he's like, uh, are you even a real butler? And Wadsworth admits that he's not the butler, but is a butler, and that he was Mr. Body's butler. The group asks why Mr. Body would do this, and Wadsworth explains this whole thing was his idea, and he and that Wadsworth himself wrote all the letters to each and every one of them. Miss White uh, uh, is playing us for a second and asks Wadsworth, like, uh, oh, uh, wait, hold on. Wait, what? Like she's being us. Like she's asking this question oh. because we don't know. Oh, I get it. You need to be, you need to be more specific. No. Anyway. So Miss White, uh, like, is like wait a second she asked Wadsworth what he means and he and asked like why he invited all of them to meet Mr. Body and uh, even when he assisted them in the blackmail Wadsworth denies that he assisted with the blackmail but he has everyone sit down as he explains that he was Mr. Body's butler but he was Mr. Uh, Body's butler at one point but his employer with him did not employment with him did not end so basically he, he was his butler and although he's no longer his butler he's like still working with them you know uh, but uh, after his death or whatever but uh, it ended my employment didn't end with his de- death it ended when um, his wife died Wadsworth, Wadsworth's wife uh, and she took her own life because she was being blackmailed by Mr. Body as well Wadsworth further explains that Mr. Body hated his wife for the same reason that he hated all of them because he believed that all of them were true, thoroughly un-American for the reasons for reason. literally and Mr. Green he's like sitting on this like side table and it just like collapses but everyone kind of just like ignores it and moves on. Dude, literally. I love that. I and hate it. You're just a hater. Oh my god. And, and anti-fun. What's the point if we're all gonna ignore it and not acknowledge it? Don't worry about it. Oh my god. Anyway, and so Wadsworth continues on. He says that Mr. Body's motivation for, over the blackmail uh, was such as a senator having a corrupt wife, or a doctor taking advantage of his patients, or for a wife to emasculate her husband, and so forth. Mr. Green claims that the reasoning doesn't make any sense because if they were all so un-American, why not just report them? And Wadsworth explained that Mr. Body wanted to use the information that he had and put it to good use. And what could be more American than that? Damn. <laughs> Professor Plum then explains, uh, or then asks Wadsworth what, uh, what the part, his part in all this is. Wadsworth tells the gang that he was a victim in all of this too, at least his wife was, because all she had uh, friends, that, because she had friends that were socialists and the whole room was just like, <gasps> Because, you know, the 50s. Mm. Anyway, Wadsworth tearfully tells the group that, you know, uh, we all make mistakes, and Miss White gives him a handkerchief that she just has, by the way. I mean, again, it's the 50s, you know. 
Uh, Wadsworth further explains to the group that Mr. Body threatened his wife to give up names to the Unamer- to the House Un-American uh, Committee or whatever. Uh, and when she refused, Mr. Body blackmailed her. They had no money to give, so they both ended up just working for Mr. Body for free. Which is awful. He's like, we were basically slaves. Yeah. But then Mr. Wadsworth tells the group that his wife wife's death uh, made me vengeful, and he thought that by getting everyone here so they could get Mr. Body to stop blackmailing them by making him face answer for his crimes and turning him over to the police so that everyone could, like, benefit from this. Mm-hmm. Professor Plum think, thinks that this is all settled, but then Miss Scarlet reminds everyone that we still have no idea who killed Mr. Body. Wadsworth tells everyone that they should figure out who the killer is before the police show up in 39 minutes, because Jesus. he's been counting, apparently. Mm-hmm. Everyone starts panicking and picking each other, like, oh, you're the killer, you're the killer, but Wadsworth tells uh, them that any one of them had the motivation to kill. Everyone argues that it couldn't have been them, so who else was in the house, until all of a sudden, they all suddenly remember that the cook was there. They run to the kitchen and find that it's empty. Mr. Green uh, investigates it, but he can't find anyone. So, like, all right, well, they're not here. But then, like, the door to, like, this freezer just swings open, and the cook's body falls out, and he catches it, and she has a knife in her back. Yeah, that's so awful. Anyway. They almost surround the dead cook as they try to figure out what to do next. The colonel turns on Wadsworth, asking for an explanation. Wadsworth, shocked, asks why him, as Mr. Green asks who would want the cook dead. Scarlet jokes that the food wasn't that bad, which pisses, which pisses off the colonel, who asks how can she make a joke in a time like this, and Scarlet says it's her defense mechanism. She's honestly the realest out of everybody in this group. Like, she's so honest. Mm-hmm. The colonel, still pissed off, tells her that if he were the killer, he would kill her next. Which, like, why would he say that out loud? Yeah. He literally, commi- like, incriminated himself. I would have tied him up, bro. Everyone stands up defensively, and the colonel's like, hey, I just said if, and there's only one killer here. Yeah, I would have tied him up, bro. Literally. I swear it was always Colonel Mustard when it comes to this game. It was always him. Literally. The colonel quickly shifts the blame towards Mrs. White, and that if any one of them were a killer, it would be her, be her because she played the blackmail and asked how many husbands she had. Mrs. White tells him she had five, and that her husband should be like Kleenex, soft, strong, and disposable. Queen shit. Queen. The colonel then accuses Mrs. Wife that she lures men to their death like a spider with flies, and Mrs. Wife says flies are when men are most vulnerable, to which the colonel agrees and thinks that if she didn't do it, then who had the dagger? The colonel then turns on Mrs. Peacock. I'm starting to think this guy is misogynistic, bro. Literally. The colonel claims that it was Mrs. Peacock who had the dagger, which is now in the cook's back. Mrs. Peacock does confirm that she did get the knife, but she set it down in the study, but when asked when by Plum, she doesn't know. Mrs. Peacock claims that any one of them could have picked up the knife. Wadsworth then suggests that they take the cook's body to hide in the study with Mr. Body's body. So all of them tried to bring the cook's body to the study, only to find that Mr. Body's body is gone from the study, dropping the cook as a result. So when I went to a high school play of this, like Clue, Mm -hmm. they used a dummy, and I honestly enjoyed that more than anything. Mrs. White in the back is what is going on as the man explains that Mr. Body is gone. Mrs. White suggests they should have made sure he was dead, and Mrs. Peacock is like, how, by cutting off his head? And the tension between those two is immaculate, honestly. Yeah. But Scarlet asks where body could be as the rest of the men abandoned the cook's body in the front doorway. A poor woman, bro. Literally. Mr. Green claims that there is no way Mr. Body was dead, but Professor Plum is like he was, or at least I thought he was, but he does ask what difference all this makes now. Scarlet jokes that it makes a difference to Body and that who knows, maybe there is life after death. And Mrs. Wife laughs and says life after death is as probable as sex after marriage. 
And I thought, maybe Mrs. White doesn't like men. Mm-hmm. Who could have guessed? <laughs> Mr. Green then asked, what if Mr. Body killed the cook? And Wadsworth asked how, and the room was, like, super silent. And Mrs. Peacock asked to go potty as she steps over the cook's body that is still blocking the doorway. As Scarlet goes through stuff on the desk only to find pictures and asks Wadsworth what it is. Wadsworth explains the negatives of Colonel Mustard explained earlier. Scarlet asks if Wadsworth tends to blackmail the Colonel as she continues to look at the photos as the Colonel tries to get them back. Wadsworth says no, he had full intention of giving them back to the Colonel as soon as Mr. Body was unmasked. Scarlet jokes again by asking Yvette if she wants to see, but Yvette declines to say she is a lady. And Scarlet's like, how do you know what kind of pictures they are if you're such a lady? Literally. The colonel tries to reach for the pictures back, but Scarlet snatches them away out of his reach, telling him there is a picture that concerns her only for Professor Plum to take them and look, as Mrs. White comments that nobody can get in that position. Plum getting all excited is like, let me show you, as he lies Mrs. White on the floor, bringing her legs up, as she tells Plum to get off of her. Christian, how old were you when you first watched this? I was like, uh, probably not old enough. That's wild, bro. Well, like 13, 14, maybe? That's not bad. That's not too bad. Four. <laughs> that, that might be a little concerned. We then cut to Mrs. Peacock making her way to the bathroom, only to find an even deader Mr. Body. Even deader. <laughs> yes. So she screams alerting everyone in the study. As everyone goes to Mrs. Peacock, we see that the group thinks that he is attacking her, only to pull him off to find that he's dead. Again. Dead. Again. <laughs> Mrs. Peacock faints from the horror ordeal, and Mrs. White tells Mr. Green he has blood on his hands. Happens. Mr. Green screams that he didn't do it as he wipes his hands clean. Wadsworth goes over to Mr. Body and tells the group that he has new injuries and that he is certainly dead for real this time, and wonders who would want to kill him twice. Scarlet claims that fell's unnecessary, and the colonel says that he seems like an overkill, and Plum says only a psycho would do such a thing. Yeah. Wadsworth, not caring about any of that, reminds the group they're trying to figure out who killed Mr. Body and where and with what. So next scene, you see the group get all the bodies to the study as the women struggle to bring the chef's body to the couch, and the men struggle to get Mr. Body's body on the couch as well. After getting them all onto the couch, the colonel asks who had the candlestick, and Scarlet says all of them have had it at one point, but Miss White points out that Scarlet was given the candlestick during the body present exchange. Scarlet says she dropped, she dropped it on the table and that everyone could have picked it up. Wadsworth tells the group to stay focused as they all try to pay attention to all the weapons they have in possession. Wadsworth puts all the weapons in a cabinet and locks it so the killer will have no way of killing them. Mr. Green asks Wadsworth what he's going to do with the key, and Wadsworth tells him he's going to keep it, and Mr. Green becomes suspicious of why he gets to keep it safe. Mrs. Peacock further Mr. Green's argument by saying that he can open the cabinet whenever he wants, and what if he's the killer? Wadsworth said he is not the killer, and by keeping the key, he knows that he is safe. And Peacock is like, yeah, that's cool, but we don't know who we are. Wadsworth is like, okay, well, since nobody trusts anybody, let's just throw the key away. So the group runs out to the door to throw the key, only to find a stranger getting ready to knock on the door. And honestly, if I knew I could leave, I would have. Hmm. Really? Yeah, I would have left. They would have not have seen me. I would have been gone. <laughs> so the stranger apologizes for the inconvenience, but his car broke down, and he could come inside to use the phone. Before answering him, Wadsworth confers with the group to see what they think, and they all agree to let the man in to use the phone. Wadsworth directs the stranger to the lounge with the phone and tells him that after he is done, it is best he waits here, and as soon as Wadsworth closes the door, he locks the man in. 
After locking the stranger up, the group asked Wadsworth where the key to the weapons is, and Wadsworth and the group continued to finish what they started by throwing the key outside, losing it forever. Mm. With the key gone, Mrs. White begs Wadsworth to let her out, and he tells her no, because they all have to finish this night out together to find out who killed Mr. Body. Plus, everyone thinks if she leaves, she'll just tell people that they all killed the bodies that are in the study. Mrs. White threatens Wadsworth for a bit while the colonel announces that he needs to drink. So the group is back in the study to get a drink, and the colonel asks Wadsworth if there are any more people in the house. So Wadsworth and the colonel get into a semantics battle if there is someone here or not. Mrs. White, tired of the bickering, smashes her glass and tells him that it's probably best that they get that man in the lounge out of the house before he finds out what's happening here. Everyone agrees, but Plum says that they shouldn't throw him out because of the storm, and Scarlet is like, if he stays here, he'll get suspicious, and Plum is like, well, if we throw him out, he'll get more suspicious. Mrs. Peacock, starting to lose her marbles, shouts at the group to just leave him locked up for another half hour for the police to find him and the two dead bodies in the study. Yeah. Everyone tells her to shut the fuck up because the stranger could hear her. <laughs> the colonel goes back on his question if there's someone else in the house besides them, and everyone screams at him that no one else is in the house. Like, damn, this man is stupid. Mm-hmm. So the colonel, not satisfied with Wadsworth's answer, wants to split up and search the house. He is the killer dude. Uh, that's what I'm saying, bro. I'd be like, why would you suggest that? Literally. It looks suspicious, bro. The colonel tells the group they can go in pairs, and Plum is like, what if one of us is the killer, and that whoever is with them will get killed? And the colonel is like, duh, that's the plan. Because if that happens, then we know who the killer is. It's literally among us, bro. Among us. Peacock starts freaking out over the fact that one of them will definitely end up dead, and the colonel tells her that that is a sacrifice he is willing to make. Wadsworth comes up with drawing sticks, so all the men don't end up following after event. Because he doesn't want to go in the alone in the dark. In the dark. In the dark. In the dark. So everyone draws their matches, and Scarlet is with the colonel, much to her disappointment. Mrs. White is with Wadsworth, Yvette with Mr. Green, and Professor Plum with Mrs. Peacock. So the group splits into their assigned pairs, Wadsworth and White go upstairs, and Yvette and Green join them, while Peacock and Plum go to the cellar while Scarlet and the Colonel decide to go to the billiard room. Upstairs, Yvette and Green make their way to the attic as they argue about who goes up the stairs first. We then cut to Peacock and Plum as they both make their way down to the dark stairs as they argue about who goes first. We then cut to White and Wadsworth as they both enter a dark room, but both are afraid to go inside with the lack of light. Wadsworth suggests that he comes in the room with White, but she immediately shuts that shit down. She says no. But this scene establishes that they both do not trust each other. Mm-hmm. Which is so wild. I feel like I feel a little closer to people if, like, we all witnessed a dead body, you know? Mm-hmm. Back in the billiard room, we see Scarlet and the Colonel behind the bar. Scarlet does not trust the Colonel at all, especially when he grabs the pool table, thinking he's gonna hurt her, only for him to check to see what is on at the table. He was definitely gonna kill her, bro. I saw that. About it. Back in the attic, Yvette and Mr. Green both haven't moved until they decided that they will walk up the stairs together. Next, we cut to the cellar as Peacock has made her way to the bottom of the steps and she keeps her eyes on Professor Plum. We then see the Colonel and Scarlet check their the coat closet. We basically see everyone distrusting their partner, scared to make it further in the room because they are, are afraid their partner is the killer. Which I think is crazy how much the men will not sacrifice this in themselves. Mm. Like, come on, bro, I thought this was the dream. Literally. Also, I think it's really crazy that the colonel was kind of, like, acting the way he was acting. And I feel like that's kind of a commentary on some sorts of things. He's like... Because, you know, he's the one that's, like, he's not taking charge. He's not, like, uh, trying to figure this out. He's not, like, you know, trying to put himself first, you know? Like, in harm's way to protect other people. 
I just like that how'd you get that ranking on you Literally. I don't know. I just think that's an interesting interesting thing to comment on. So the next scene we see Scarlet and the Colonel look in the ballroom, only to find no one there. Scarlet suggests that they check the curtains to see if someone is hiding in there, but the Colonel is like, you check, and I'll go check the kitchen, leaving her all alone. So Scarlet, alone and afraid, slowly makes her way to the curtain, only to find nothing but a broken window. The next scene, we see a cop car coming down the road and see Scarlet's abandoned car. Back at the house, we see a gloved hand taking out the pictures with the Colonel with people, with people and a few letters and a recording tape all stacked in the pile, and we see it taken away and put into a fire as the gloved hand unlocks the cabinet where all the weapons are. We cut to the cop from earlier, now inspecting the abandoned car, and then back to the motorist on the phone with the police, and just before they identify who one of the party-goers is, a mysterious figure strikes him with a wrench. In the conservatory, Mustard and Scarlet check out a secret passage that leads to where the motorist lies dead on the ground. <gasps> they call out for help and everyone goes to find them. Wadsworth tries to kick open the door while Yvette attempts to shoot out the lock. Inadvertently, she accidentally shoots the chandelier, which falls and scares all of them. Yeah. Yvette drops the gun after she tells them the gun case from earlier was unlocked. The group questions Yvette, and then the doorbell rings. Mr. Green goes to open it, and we see the cop from earlier. Wadsworth invites him in, and the cop seems to recognize Yvette. They lock the cop inside the library while they try to figure out what to do next. In the library, the phone rings, and the cop answers, answers it. He goes to tell the party-goers to let him out, and that J. Eggert Hoover, head of the FBI, was the one calling. While Mr. Green distracts the cop by showing him around the dining room, the others arrange the bodies in the lounge to appear normal. As they go into the lounge, they see the situation appears to be normal, and the same to be said of the other room they go into. The cop assumes everything is okay, and asks to use the phone again. Mm-hmm. I don't think he thinks that's okay. I think that's so wild, bro. Because he was like, why did you lock me out? Why did you lock me out? I'm like, sorry. We got, me, some, got some crazy shit going on here. Let me out. It's a sex party. That's Literally. what's happening. So back in the kitchen, Scarlet and Mustard discover another secret lounge. In, secret lounge. Secret pocket passage, and it goes to the lounge. All of a sudden, the power goes out, and we see Yvette talking to a mysterious stranger before they strangle her with the rope. We then see someone else with a lead pipe right before, like, the cop is on the phone again, and then he gets struck in the head. Yeah. So we got two more bodies, basically. We then th- see the doorbell ring again, and we see there's this hanging telegram. Da-da, da-da, da-da. I am yeah. your singing, singing telegram. telegram. Pow! Do you know who that is, by the way? Uh, I can't remember who it is. Anyway, she's she's just in the Go Go Go's that oh. band. Oh, okay. Yeah, is not that the ones that sing "I Got the Beat"? I don't know. We got the beat. We got the beat. We got the beat. Yeah, we got the beat. No, not ho ho hoes. We got the beat. Yeah. Oh, whatever. Yeah, we got the beat. Or our lips are sealed. Dude, that was a good ass song. See? That's the telegram girl. Oh my gosh. Isn't that crazy? I bet you didn't know that. I bet you didn't know that, bitch. (laughs) So, anyway, singing telegram girl dies. She gets shot. 
and someone is able to turn the power back on, and everyone kind of just floods into the lobby to not only find Yvette dead in the billiard room, but the cop dead because of the pipe, and they also find the singing telegram at the front steps. Literally. They regather in the lobby, and Wadsworth points out the missing gun, but also says he knows who the murderer is. He instructs the guests to follow him, and he recreates the night's events. I was in the hall. I know because I was there. I love that line. And he recreates the entire night's events, from Yvette and the cook preparing for them to their arrival. He recreates their dinner in the dining room. This whole time, Wadsworth is speaking, like, super, super fast, and he reveals Mr. Bonnie may have been pretending to play dead and shows that the bullet only grazed his ear. They then follow Wadsworth to the billiard room, and Wadsworth says one of them was missing when they went in there earlier, and Wadsworth reveals the cook and Yvette were both involved in Bonnie's blackmail scheme. Because he was asking, he was like, oh, he's like, one person is missing. Who was it? And they're like, the cook. And they're like, yes, that's right. Anyway, uh, Wadsworth accuses Miss White of knowing who Yvette was, and she says, like, yeah, so what? My, and he's like, oh, your husband had an affair with Yvette. And she's like, yeah, and? Or whatever. And Miss Scarlet also says that Yvette had worked for her in the past. Or whatever. She says that voluntarily, like, unprompted, by the way. Just mm-hmm. want to point that out. And Mustard was one of her clients. And that's what in the was in those photos that we saw from earlier. Mm-hmm. And Mustard said, uh, Body threatened to send pictures of him and Yvette together to his mother. And he's like, the shock would have killed her. And they all, and that, they're, by the way, they're like, oh, that's funny because you said your mom was dead earlier. <laughs> so which is a, they all realize that only one person missing at the time of the body's death was the cook. And they all rushed in the kitchen. That's, that's when they all rushed in the kitchen. Yeah, we've heard this before. Wadsworth said, whoever murdered the cook slipped through the secret passage from the kitchen to the study. And they all head that way. So they just ran to the kitchen to get to the study. Study, by the way. Mm-hmm. Wadsworth said the murderer took the candlestick in the study and chased after Body in the hall and killed him there. They then dragged Body's body into the bathroom, unlocked the gun safe, threw the key outside to where the motorist was. Uh, Wadsworth reveals that he invited the motorist that night and that everyone there was either Body's victim or accomplice. Mustard reveals that the motorist was his driver during the war, but that the motorist knew that he stole aircraft radio parts and sold them on the black market. Uh, he's like, but he, he says, like, but I'm no murderer. But then Miss Peacock then is like, oh, and how many uh, of our men died when their radios didn't work or whatever? Uh, but, uh, but then she's like, but where did the cop come from? And Miss Scarlet says that she, she had been bribing that cop in Washington because, you know, she was running her brothel and whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she says that Body found uh, out this information and uh, Green went, but then Green asks about the singing telegram for, uh, girl or whatever. They go outside, and Plum was like, oh, he, she was my patient once, and I had an affair with her, uh, but that caused me to lose my license once Mr. Body found out. So they go outside, and Plum reveals that she was his patient, yada, 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 I said all that. Uh, Wadsworth reveals that they go, uh, when they split up earlier, someone managed to slip away and destroy Body's envelope containing the blackmail evidence, like the photos of uh, Colonel Mustard and all that. They continue to explain the night's events, uh, and then the doorbell rings, uh, but Miss Peacock goes to answer it. She's like, oh, I can't take it. Whoever's there, they need to leave or they're going to die. <laughs> and they open the door, and there's this uh, evangelist there on the other side. He's, and he's like, have you have you all uh, heard from the Lord? Or whatever? Have you all heard of the Lord or whatever? Yada, yada, yada. But then uh, they like tell him to go away. He's like, uh, your souls are in danger. Miss Peacock is like, our lives are in danger, which I think is pretty funny. Just shut the door in his face. Slams the door in his face, yeah. How dare they? <laughs> Wadsworth reveals that Yvette is the one who killed the cook and body, but that out of all of them, Scarlet ordered Yvette to kill them. 
Wadsworth also said that Scarlet killed the motorist, the cop, and the singing telegram girl as well. They asked for proof, and Wadsworth says, whoever has the gun will, will be the murderer. So everyone, like, turn out your pockets and purses. And as they all do, Scarlet pulls the gun out and uh, commends Wadsworth for his investigative skills. Scarlet reveals that apart from running a prostitution ring in D.C., her side business is selling secrets. She said that Yvette found them out for her and that she would sell them to the highest bidder. Scarlet says that she'll continue to blackmail them into giving her government secrets, except for Wadsworth, who is an affiliate with the government and is useless to her. And right as she's about to kill him, after like gloating for a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, he reveals that he does in fact have a secret. Uh, the gun that, she, that she's holding is empty. And uh, they're like, no it's not. And they uh, like try to like count all the bullets, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, oh no, there was uh, the one in the study, the one uh, that shot the chandelier, mm-hmm. two for the door, and then there was uh, one that shot the te- singing telegram girl. So really, there's only been five in a gun that can hold six bullets mm-hmm. that have been fired, but Wadsworth miscounted. And so he was kind of bluffing unintentionally, mm-hmm. but he miscounted. Anyway, this whole, this movie, man. <laughs> Uh, just and just before she pulls the trigger, the doorbell rings and like she looks at it real quick. Mm-hmm. And while Scarlet's distracted, Wadsworth like rushes her and manages to wrestle the gun out of her hands as the police swarm the building. And it's revealed that that missionary was actually a cop. <gasps> I know. And uh, Miss Scarlet, like uh, we get a nice uh, other movie reference here. Wadsworth uh, or Scarlet says, "Wadsworth, don't hate me for trying to shoot you." And Wadsworth is just like, "Frankly, Scarlet, I don't give a damn." Guess the movie. Mention us on Twitter with the answer, and we'll not read it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, we might. Wadsworth then again says that there were no bullets. Well, because they were like, oh, like, but how did you know? Or, like, they're like, Wadsworth, how did you do that? He's like, oh, he said there were no bullets in the gun. And he goes to, like, pull the trigger, mm-hmm. and it actually fires, mm-hmm. and it strikes another chandelier. Mm-hmm. And Wadsworth is like, they're all, like, trying to count. He's like, wait, one plus two, one plus two plus two plus one, or one plus two plus one plus one. Mm-hmm. Trying to math it all out, whatever. And uh, as it's falling, uh, the chandelier falls and, like, frightens the Colonel Mustard again, you know, callback. And then we get another freeze frame. By another, I mean, this is the only freeze frame. Uh, and then we get a title card that just says, that's how it could have happened, but how about this? You know, just like the original board game, like, everyone would be like, oh, well, you know, actually, it was like this. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was funny. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So, we cut to Wadsworth running around yet again. He's telling the group about how it all happened. And uh, he said that the murderer in the dark ran across the hall to the study where he picked up the rope and the pipe and then ran to the billiard room where he strangled a vet and then the library where he hit the cop with the lead pipe. Then the doorbell rang and it was the singing telegram girl and the murderer picked up the gun that a vet had dropped, fired at the singing telegram girl, and then ran back down to the cellar. Miss Peacock tells Wadsworth that Colonel Mustard was nowhere near the cellar, but then Wadsworth turns on her and is like, yes, but you were. So Peacock is like, uh, so, but then Wadsworth is like, uh, he's telling her, he's like, you were the only person gone when the cook and Mr. Body were killed. And the cook, uh, used, and it turns out the cook had used to be her cook, you know, like in the past. And we, but we only know this because Miss, Miss Peacock told everyone at dinner that her favorite food was monkey's brain, which is a rare uh, cuisine in Washington, D.C., you know, which is interesting. Which also, why monkey's brain? And that's gross. Also, isn't that like how you get like prion disease? Or something like that. Mm. Anyway, whatever. Miss Peacock asks, uh, why would I murder all the others? And Wadsworth is like, because you were afraid that Mr. Body told them about you. Professor Plum asks if this had anything to do with the disappearing nuclear physicist and Colonel Mustard's work on the new fusion bomb. And Wadsworth is like, no, all that communism stuff is just a red herring. And Miss Peacock did all, uh, did all, did it all. Miss Peacock claims that there's no proof, and Wadsworth is like, well, the gun is missing, and tells everyone to turn out their pockets and empty their purses, and whoever has the gun is the murderer. 
And once again, we get the same scene, but this time it's Miss Peacock who pulls out the gun. And uh, she asks Wadsworth, what are you going to do now? And Wadsworth says, nothing, because he does not, uh, he's like, I do not approve of murder, in this, but in this case, I'll let it slide since you killed Mr. Body, who was an evil blackmailer. Mr. Green reminds everyone that the police will be here any minute, but Wadsworth is like, why would they become? I never called them. Uh, Wadsworth instructs everyone that uh, to stack the bodies that they have in the cellar and that they should all lock the door and that we can all leave quietly one at a time and prevent, pretend that none of this ever happened. Peacock agrees, but then uh, gets in front of like everyone with her gun pointing at them, mm-hmm. and Wadsworth is like, we should be thanking you, Miss Peacock, and they all start singing, uh, for she is a jolly good fellow, which is... Um, all right. <laughs> what do you think about the person who was hitting those high notes? I was like EP. Who do you yeah. think it was? I was going to say Mrs. White. You want to say what? Mrs. White. Mrs. White. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, she's a jolly And like as she she's leaving, as everyone's like singing like this that song, mm-hmm. which I, I this is the one scene I don't like. I'm just like whatever. <laughs> but then um, as she closes the door, everyone kind of like sighs from relief, like oh it's finally over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mr. Green's like I told you it wasn't me. <laughs> Same. The colonel asks Wadsworth what the police will think, and Wadsworth reassures him that the FBI have it all taken care of. Wadsworth then tells us that he works for Mr. Hoover, and that's how we do all the information about them. Mr. Hoover being J. Edgar Hoover. The colonel asks uh, who Miss Peacock was taking bribes from, and Wadsworth explains that it was a foreign power, and that her senator husband has influence over defense contracts. Ooh. Professor Plum asks if there will be a cover-up, and Washington thinks that's probably in the public's best interest, as well as what could be gained from all this exposure. Plum then asks if the FBI does this kind of cover-up regularly, and Wadsworth tells him yes. We then cut to Peacock outside as she's about to get into her car when someone calls her name, and it's uh, that evangelist again. Mm-hmm. Of course, this time he didn't arrive on time, so this is the first time seeing them. And uh, uh, he's like, oh, are, are, you, are you, you know, he like tries to talk to her, give him his whole spiel, or whatever. Uh, but then, like, quickly, he, like, pulls a gun on her, and then everyone else, like, his lights kick on, and other police, like, rush out the area, and they surround her and arrest her. Uh, and everyone's, like, leaving the mansion, hearing all the commotion, and they're, like, uh, and, like, what? And, like, uh, what, what do you say? Like, oh, does anybody want to desert no, no, over here? No, 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 It was, like, um, uh, Wadsworth is, like, we're, we're, like, the Mounties. We always get our man. And Mr. Green's, like, Mrs. Peacock was a man? Oh, yeah. And, like, Colonel Mustard and, uh, uh, Wadsworth like slap him. Yeah, but Mrs. White kind of gets back at him by like snatching, like strapping the his trouser thing holder. Yeah. Like she snaps it. She was a man? Oh my god. But then uh, we get a title card that says, but here's what really happened. And we cut back to inside the house as Wadsworth is explaining who the real murderer is. He tells the group to consider each murder one by one. Professor Plum knew Mr. Body was still alive because he fired the gun when the lights went off, but he missed, and so Plum pretended Body was dead, and so he was able to kill Body unobserved. Scarlet backs us up by saying Plum was a missing person in the kitchen. But then Green points out that Plum was with them in the billiard room when they all found a vet screaming, and if that was uh, when the cook was killed, how could he have done it? Peacock thinks this is hogwash, but then Wadsworth turns on her, saying that Peacock killed the cook because she used to be her cook, and then the cook was the one who informed Mr. Body about her activities. They also only knew that Peacock said that dinner time was her favorite because it was a monkey's brain, like I said for earlier. But then Wadsworth turns on Colonel Mustard by saying that when he opened the door, he was the one who, take, who took the key uh, out of Wadsworth's pocket to the weapons uh, cabinet. And Waz, uh, and then separate. Wait, hold on. Oh, sorry. And then he also separated from Scarlet when they were exploring the building. 
and was able to cross the hall to get the wrench and then ran back to the conservatory and to enter the lounge to that secret passage to be able to kill a motorist. Wadsworth then continues by going up the stairs and having the group follow him, uh, saying that when he and Mrs. White went upstairs and while he was in the master bedroom, Miss White hurried downstairs to turn off the electricity and then got the rope to kill a vet, and that the reason for this is because Miss White was jealous of the vet because she and her husband were um, having an affair. Stopping. Stopping. <laughs> and that's why Mrs. White killed her husband, too. And I'll let you do the, the thing. <laughs> Mrs. White admits to everything, saying she killed the vet and that she hated her so much. Flames! Flames on the side of my face, breathing, heaving, breathing, heaving. Anyway, and then yeah, Wadsworth kind of just like cuts her off or whatever. But that's Sahara's favorite line in this whole movie. Dude, honestly, best delivery. She wanted to change this like our Twitter header. Did you? No, it was too. I don't know how it got to. It was too big or too. I don't know how. Yeah. Anyway, Wadsworth uh, cuts her off and says that Miss Scarlet sees the opportunity and under the cover of darkness, crossed the library to kill a cop who she'd been bribing in D.C. and hit him over the head with a lead pipe. Scarlet does not deny any of this, by the way. She's like, all right. Plum then points out that it must have been Green uh, that shot the singing telegram. But Mr. Green's like, but I didn't do it. And they're like, but you're the only one left. He's like, but he's like, I can prove my innocence because the gun's missing. Whoever has the gun killed the singing telegram girl. And Mr. Wadsworth pulls out the gun. You were like, oh. Honestly, the first time I watched this, I was devastated to find out he was the bad guy. It is, they're all bad guys. It was but I didn't want him to be a bad guy. The group was shocked to learn it was Wadsworth. And Mr. Green is like, I knew it. I was going to expose you. And Wadsworth is like, I know. That's why I chose to expose my, uh, myself. And then Colonel Mustard is like, please, there are ladies present. <laughs> Which get, they got a chuckle out of Sahara. This movie's got some... We, are, we, we have not been keeping track of the counter, by the way. Of the chuckles? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's got a lot. But <laughs> we, we just forgot because we're high. Anyway, Mr. Green puts two and two to get together and discovers that Wadsworth was, was Mr. Body this whole time. Well, technically, he was still Wadsworth, but Mr. Body was his butler instead, is, is that, as Mr. Wadsworth says. Plum is like, wait, then who did I kill? <laughs> uh, you know, like, uh, thinking that he killed Mr. Body. Wadsworth says, oh, that was my butler. It is what it is. Wadsworth explains that the whole fake body thing was expendable, just like the rest of them, but he's grateful that they all dispose of his network of spies and informers, like the cook, Yvette, all them, mm-hmm. the motorists. Uh, uh, but that he's grateful that for that and it, it saved him a lot of trouble and now there's no evidence against him Miss White is like wait so this has nothing to do with my disappearing nuclear physicist's husband or Colonel Mustard's work with the top new uh, top secret fusion bomb Wadsworth and Mr. Body lap, slash Mr. Body his name's just he's just Wadsworth by the way his name is Mr. Body he's the real Mr. Body no that was Mr. Body the other guy he is Wadsworth Mr. Body was just Hibson Butler he literally just said whatever Anyway, Wadsworth uh, just laughs and says, no, the communism was just to distract you. Mr. Green then reminds you that the police will be here any minute and that the real Mr. Body will not get away with this. The real Mr. Body says the police that, uh, says the police will not be here because he never called them. And Miss Peacock is, uh, oh my god. She's like, oh my god. She's so real for that. Literally. Like, She's like screaming at the top of her oh life. She's like, oh my god. <laughs> Uh, and so uh, Wadsworth instructs everyone to take the bodies to the cellar and then have everyone leave quietly one at a time and we'll forget this whole night ever happened. Do you think you could get away with murder? Honestly, I feel like I can't... I feel like I could kill You'd someone. You'd be surprised how many murders just go unsolved. Honestly, I think I could kill someone. I just don't think I could get away with murder. Anyway, Mr. What Green... What about you? Probably. Oh my God. Mr. Green, uh, hypothetic... Uh, like with a little bit of sarcasm in his voice asks if the real Mr. Body will keep blackmailing them and then with a smile on his face Wadsworth says of, of, cor- of course why not you know 
And Mr. Green is like, I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you why not. And then he pulls out a gun. Ooh. Uh, Mr. Green shoots Mr. Body, and everyone's just like, oh my gosh, that really just happened? Mm-hmm. And that's why I asked if Mr. Green is like a cop. Oh, by the way, before that, but Wattress is like, good shot or whatever like touches to see like he'd been shot he's like very good and then dies by the way Mm -hmm. but miss white asks if mr green is a cop he gets all confident he he, like puts his nerdy glasses away he's like no i'm a plant miss white is or miss scarlet is like i thought they called you a fruit because you know he was gay or whatever he's like he's he's, like very funny and he pulled he's like he's like the uh, the phone call from uh who j edgar hoover was for me you know because he's with the fbi and so Mr. Green then goes to the door and tells the group one last time, he's like, I told you I didn't do it, and then opens the door, and all the police just rush in, and they're there to arrest everyone. And the chief, who was, again, the televangelist, mm-hmm. or not televangelist, he's just an evangelist, mm-hmm. he uh, he comes in, and he's like, who done it, or whatever, and everyone like starts blaming each other, and Mr. Green's just like, they all did it, but if you want to know who killed him, pointing to Wadsworth, that was me, in the hall. He's like, that was Mr. Green, in the hall, with the revolver. Ooh, just like the game. Mr. Green uh, then tells the Jews, like, take them all away. And then he's like, I'm going home to sleep with my wife. The end. So, Sahara, what did you think about the multiple endings? Okay, so when I first watched it, I thought that was very, like, confusing to me. It's camp. Yeah, very. It's camp. Honestly, very, very campy. It's camp. And if you hate it, you're anti-camp. But I was looking at the comments as to why it's so long like that. Like, I was like, could they not figure out an ending? But apparently you could... Because you remember how you would look at the newspaper to, like, see the uh, what movie, what times you wanted to watch? So with Clue, it had Clue A, Clue B, and Clue C. So each one you picked, it was a different ending. Yep. So it doesn't end like that. Every, like how yeah, we almost saw every it. movie was different. Yeah, all the movie was different. So you had to go see the different ones to see the different endings, which a lot of people like doing and I thought that was a really neat fact yeah and but a lot of critics said that it was like a gimmick and that it doesn't make up for like the rest of the film but honestly I think it's I think it puts its charm it's original I liked it yeah because it it was just like the game yeah y'all are just haters stop being anti-camp but do you like the multi-ending angle then oh yeah which ending do you like the best I like the third ending ending C Mm -hmm. which ending do you think is the most plausible probably ending A Mm, yeah but I just like ending C more I think I like ending B more because I like the fact that nobody kind of gets in trouble but I think what's more plausible is probably C for me like everybody still gets in trouble Wadsworth dies oh so you like ending B yeah I don't know I just like the fact that nobody really gets in trouble hater and lastly Christian who done it it was Mr. Green Mm -hmm. with the revolver in the hall (laughs) All right. Mystery March. We will be finishing Mystery March with one last movie. Christian, mm-hmm. do you remember what movie we're watching? We are doing the Pink Panther. Woo! Which one? The first one. I haven't seen it in a hot minute, bro. When was the last time you saw Pink Panther? About Tree Fitty. About Tree Shut the fuck up. You shut up. <laughs> it was a long time ago. I watched it with you when we, like when we still lived at uh, uh, Pam's place. <laughs> you remember that? Yes. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, stay tuned so we can continue Mystery March. I have the she's so bad right now. Same, bro. With I'm not going to make Panther, it. You can follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts oh. or whatever you get your podcast. We are Puff Puff Pass and we are the couple that is smoking in the background. Um, if you would like to 
email us. You can email us at puffpuffpodcast23 at gmail.com. Or don't. <gasps> oh my god, we didn't even rate this movie. You silly goose. Oh my god, rate it. 11 out of 10. I'm kidding, no. Uh, I'll, give, I'll give it a 7 out of 10. Really? I like it. It's just like... Um, well, I, I'll give it an 8. I'll give it an 8. 8 out of 10. I'll give it a 6. Uh. <laughs> hater. Okay, dream blood rotation. Mr. Green. Okay. Wadsworth. Okay. And... Miss Scarlet. Okay. I would pick all the women. The key to the weapons cabinet. Oh my god. A bigger conservatory. A plan for a bigger conservatory, actually. Oh my god. And lastly... The game board. <laughs> Literally, yeah. Why do you think y'all all gathered together to get high? The board clue? game. The board game. It's, it's game night. All right, but tell us your blunt rotation by emailing us at puffpuffpodcast23 at gmail.com or tell us a little fact about the Clue movie. Do you like it? Do you hate it? Let us know. But if you would like to... I remember the last time I tasted chocolate. I hated it. We also have a Twitter. We I post random thoughts while Christian usually posts reviews. Um, I We think our Twitter voice sounds different when each of us are typing, but who knows? Yeah. Do, do you think it sounds different? Sahara kind of just be retweeting stuff and I'm just like, stop it. <laughs> Oh my god, we are at Puffcast Podcast, and I am happy to announce that we officially have a letterbox. Sadly. I don't know how it works yet, but I'm very excited. I use it more than I can. I don't know how it works yet. Yeah, literally. I don't think, can you follow people on here? I think you can like other people's comments. Either way, we are Puff Puff Pass 23. Yeah, we'll be on there. All lowercase, by the way. Christian might be putting a list later. I already have a couple of reviews on there. So, yeah. I probably won't be reviewing any movies that we do for the podcast. We're probably movies that we kind of watch on our own time. Yeah. Just and to also, see what our thoughts are. And also probably not movies that, like... Because uh, for our New Year special, we did things. Yeah, so we're not going to post any movies that we see in theaters, and we're not going to post movies that we do for the podcast. Which honestly might be kind of a bummer, to be honest, because I feel right. like if people did want to listen, did want to read our like movie theater reviews. Well, then maybe you should email us to tell us what you think. Yeah. Maybe either way. But yeah, that is it for this episode. Mm-hmm. Christian, say bye. Say goodbye, everybody. Let's go eat. <laughs> <laughs>